Well, thank you. It's a, it's a, a blessing to be able to share with you this morning. And uh, I just trust that God will uh, speak through uh, what I have to bring this morning and that he will, uh, uh, through this time, begin to pour into our families uh, in the church, uh, strengthening our families so that we might become uh, really uh, God-centered homes that really are a testimony to uh, God working in our lives. Richard Bach, the uh, famous American author, once said this. He said, the bond that links your true family is not one of blood, but of respect and joy in each other's life. How true that is. And this morning I want to speak to you about creating a culture of honor in our families. And this is the first of four messages, as uh, Pastor Rob has uh, mentioned, devoted to strengthening the families in our church. And uh, as Pastor Rob mentioned, in the next few weeks, you'll be hearing from uh, a number of other individuals uh, who will be sharing their perspectives uh, on various aspects of family life. But I want to begin this morning with a Slack question, which is this. How would you describe the feeling, specifically focusing on the feeling, the feeling of being disrespected or dishonored. And I'm going to be using these two words, disrespect, dishonor, honor, respect. I'm going to be using those words interchangeably. So when, you, when I say honor, you can translate it, the word respect or respect, honor, going to be the same. So how would you describe the feeling of being disrespected or dishonored? Why don't you get your phones, your iPads, and just start sharing your, your thoughts on Slack. And as you're doing so, let me begin with some opening thoughts. In our society today, and it's not just today, it's been there for a long time, uh, we see an appalling decline in the respect that people have for each other. Ask any teacher or EA that's been teaching for even just a few years, oh my word, even six months, a month, uh, about the respect they get, or rather don't get, in the classroom. And you're going to hear jaw-dropping stories that will absolutely shock you. Watch televised debates in the House of Commons, there's something. And you're going to be appalled by the lack of civility and respect that our political leaders have for each other far too often. And in the workplace, in spite of human rights legislations and, and labor laws, people still engage in disrespectful behavior, verbally and, and sometimes uh, even physically abusing each other, freezing people out, using controlling behavior to get you know, their own way in the workplace, and all the while creating this incredible, toxic environment that everyone has to suffer with. You know, I've worked in a, in a few places like that uh, throughout my career, and, and probably, have you ever worked in a place like that with a toxic work environment? These are just a few examples of the many places that we see disrespect occurring within our society. And unfortunately, in our families, 
which is what we're focusing in on this series, where we should feel the most loved and respected. Too often, we experience just the opposite. As husbands frequently fail to respect their wives, as wives fail to respect their husbands, and many kids don't seem to understand even the first thing about what it means to honor their parents or their brothers or their sisters. So, you know, we have a problem in this area. So I see lots of comments going up on Slack here. How does it feel to be disrespected or dishonored in the workplace? Okay, we got lots of, lots of stuff coming up here. Okay. It causes me to lose my respect I may have had for them. Another person said, I return the same disrespect or lack of honor in the same measure and I walk away. That's a very honest response. Um, I feel lonely, even if there are others supporting me. So this person feels lonely when they feel disrespected. Uh, another person speaks about anger is uh, definitely a strong feeling. Yeah, how often do we feel that anger? My heart drops. Another person says, it feels insulting. It hurts. I feel a lack of empathy, another person. I feel frustrated. I feel heartbroken. Fantastic responses. Thank you for the honesty. Oh, just another one. I feel isolated. I feel defeated. It causes me to lose any respect I may have had for them. Good responses. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that what these comments reveal is that being disrespected is a very upsetting and painful experience. It's a jarring experience. And it, I think if we're, we're honest, it, it, it tears at the fabric of our self-worth. And if we allow it to, it can make us feel diminished as persons. We can start the day, you know, feeling pretty good about life. Uh, and by the end of the day, after some family member decides to unload on us, we can feel this small. Thank you, dear, for making my day. <laughs> uh, in our families, disrespect, whether it be between spouses or between uh, parents and, and kids, children, or between brothers and sisters, it has this corrosive effect, slowly dissolving, slowly breaking down the braided cord of unity that unites us as a family, uh, that makes our family feel like it's a safe, secure, life-giving place. And it turns it into a shallow reflection of what family was intended to be. So today, I want to, I want to encourage each one of us to, to work at creating a culture of honor in our families, because it is something we have to work at. It's not something that just happens. Here's another Slack question then, another Slack question. What does it mean to respect somebody? What does it mean to respect somebody? So get your, uh, your, your phones, your iPads. Let's, let's put 
start putting stuff up there on the feed. What does it mean to respect somebody? And while you're thinking about that and sharing your thoughts on Slack, let's, let's look at what the Bible has to say about what it means to honor another person. Because what I think or what you think or someone else thinks is great, and we get lots of feedback in our services about what we think about things, but ultimately it's what God says about respect or honor that's the most important thing. Well, let's begin by looking at the word honor in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, the word that is most often used for honor is the Hebrew word kavod, K-A-B or V-O-D, which literally means heavy or weighty. And so to honor someone, therefore, according to the Old Testament word for honor, is to give weight to them, to see them as having substance. You know, we speak of the, 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 the word gravitas. You know, that person has honor, they have gravitas, they have weight, they're substance because of who they are and what they've done. That's, that's the idea here in the Old Testament word. In the New Testament, the Greek word for honor is tamao, which means to see the value in something to honor or revere that person. So based on these words kavod and tamao in the Greek, I put together what I feel is a good biblical definition of what it means to honor somebody. But before I share that, we're going to go back to Slack, and we want to see what, uh, what you were saying. Let's get some of your comments. What does it mean? Uh, unconditional love, I'm reading here. Uh, to think the best of them, no matter what. That, that's, that's insightful. Ties in with the, uh, I think, the unconditional love part. To listen to them. Absolutely. To listen and not dismiss even if you disagree. Wow. That's hard, isn't it? To not dismiss somebody even when you disagree. We just want to start, we just want to start disagreeing and, and get our view on the, on the table. Good question. I believe everyone has their own percep perception of a type of behavior that is respectful. Good point. And, and this can even be culturally uh, uh, influenced, can't it? What might be considered respectful in one society or one culture might be different in, uh, in, uh, in another. There, there are various factors that, that go into that. Uh, to value them. To treat them how you would like to be treated. The golden rule. To treat them with worth, dignity, and love. Excellent. To love unconditionally, showing regard for someone's capabilities and perspectives. Absolutely. To hold them in high regard, trust them, and value them. Another person says, respect is so many different things, but I feel really respected when I am openly listened to, and even when not seeing eye to eye, there is no diminishing of my thoughts or feelings. Now, these are great thoughts. Uh, another person commenting on the word kavod. Kavod equals heavy, weighty Hebrew word for honor. I think having respect and having empathy can go hand in hand. And when I lack respect and lack empathy and understanding for the person, but when I respect them, I have empathy and understanding for them. Fantastic. To, 
Despite a person's flaw, there's an intrinsic value that I maintain about a person. To give understanding and thought to the interactions. Fantastic, fantastic thoughts. One of the, the, the threads that seems to come out a lot in these is listening to people, right? Because it's, uh, I think that's probably one of the easiest ways to show disrespect is just to start cutting in on a person and, or, or taking issue with what they have and being dismissive of what they say. People really want to be listened to. And I think that is, that is a very interesting, uh, a very powerful way of, of showing respect by listening. Well, let me share now what I, what, what I believe is a good biblical definition of honor. And you've shared your thoughts about what you feel honor. It means to honor someone. So based on the, that word tamao and kavod, I've kind of put the two together and I've come up with a definition. Uh, to honor a person is to recognize their value and to express it in words and actions towards them. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You recognize their value and then you express that in your words and actions towards them. Well, let's, let's take a little closer look at that definition. The first part reads, to honor a person is to recognize their value. When you study the scriptures on the subject of honor, you discover that there are a number of, of uh, things that can be the basis for valuing a person. Because if the first part of honor is to uh, recognize their value, then we have to ask this question, well, how so? Where, what is the basis for that value? Where does that value come? And we look through the scriptures and we see that there are a number of things that are the basis for value as presented through many different verses throughout the Old Testament. It can be, for instance, the position that a person occupies in the family or society. You know, the mother or the father. In society, maybe the, 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 uh, the premier, the prime minister, the mayor, uh, you know, a king, a queen, a monarch. It could be the kind of work they engage in and their contribution to the community. And we, we value them, we ascribe honor to them because of that. It might be because, because of the kind of character they possess. You know, we have citizenship awards and, and, and so forth, and people who have just a stellar character. And, uh, and maybe, you know, you're at grade 8 graduation, your kid doesn't get the reward for, for math, excellence in math, or this, or this, or this, but they get the good citizenship award, and that's because of their character. And so people are honored and recognized, and our value is ascribed to them based on um, the character they have. Or it may be because a person is elderly. You know, and in many cases, the elderly do possess a wisdom that exceeds what younger people could possess. Now, not all the time, because you, you get to the book of Ecclesiastes, for instance, and it talks about how you can have a, an older person who acts like a fool. So age doesn't necessarily always translate into um, wisdom. But generally speaking, it, it does. A lot of life lessons. So these are reasons to honor people. But the most important reason, I believe, is the foundational concept that we are all made in the likeness and image of God. This is a foundational concept. Genesis 1.26 reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, 
according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that creeps on the earth. Well, what does it mean to be created in the likeness and image of God? First of all, it means that like God, we possess personhood. God thinks, God feels, God wills, and this makes him a self-conscious, self-determinative being, a person. God gave us the ability to think, to will, to feel, and this makes us, like him, a person as well. He's a person. We're persons. Secondly, it means that, like God, we are moral beings. God is a moral being. He understands right from wrong and has always and will always pursue what is right. He is holy in all of his ways. In fact, God is the standard for holiness. He establishes the bar based on his holy nature. You shall be holy, for I am holy, we read in, in 1 Peter. God created us to be like him, possessing a moral compass as well, so that we can understand right from wrong. And even though the human race chose at the dawn of human history to pursue the wrong in disobeying God's commands, we still have this, this inner sense, albeit distorted at times, of what is right and wrong. What do we call it? We call that the conscience. And Paul wrote about the conscience in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, where he said, For when Gentiles, that basically refers to anyone who's not a Jew, who do not have the law instinctively, instinctively perform the requirements of the law, these, though not having the law, are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So there's this unwritten law in the heart of every human being that's, that, that we come into the world with. It's this conscience. And even though the conscience is not, it doesn't work right because of sin, okay? It's, it's like a clock that's kind of broken. It sort of tells the time right, but it doesn't. But it generally tells the time, right? And, and so we have this conscience. And, uh, and this is uh, the, um, the moral nature that God has put in us that reflects who he is. Thank God that Jesus died on the cross, by the way, and through his work of salvation in us is gradually restoring that moral image that has been broken and, and distorted by sin, like looking into a mirror that's shattered, and God is repairing that. And one day that, that, uh, that image is going to be beautifully restored. 2 Corinthians 3.18 refers to that, where it says, but we all with unveiled faces, looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, 
our being, that's refer referring to what's happening in our lives right now, are being transformed into the same image. What image? God's image. From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we reflect God, God's image, in that we are persons, and that we have a moral, uh, we have this conscience within us. It reflects his moral image. And, but getting back to our train of thought, so where does a person's value come? Yes, it comes from a number of things we've mentioned, age, character, position in society, but it chiefly comes from this fact that we are created in God's likeness and image. We are persons, and we have a moral uh, core to our life. And when you really think about this, it should change how we view people in general, but in particular, the members of our family. Because you see, it really does matter. It really, really does matter how we treat each other. James, the brother of Jesus, he understood this. And in talking about the need to control our tongues, in James 3, 8 to 9, he said, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. Oh, do we know that? And boy, it, does the tongue give us problems in our family life, right? A lot. That's probably the way it, uh, uh, the, uh, this harmony is, is most created. It's by the fact that we start to use our tongues to tear down each other. But he said here, he said, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who have made in the likeness of God. Think about that. When we attack each other with our words, we are indirectly attacking God. Now, maybe you've never thought about this before, but that's what this verse is saying. And with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness and image of God. When we attack each other, we are indirectly attacking God because he has put something special of himself into every person, into our spouse, into our kids, into our siblings. And when we tear them down, when we show them to disrespect through our words, what are we doing? We're tearing down God's special handiwork. And God takes that personally. Because that person is in some ways a small reflection of him. You think he might take that personally? But we don't want to go there. That, that spouse, your spouse, your kids, your brothers and sisters, your parents are still alive. They reflect God. And so when we attack them, we're actually tearing down God. But instead, we need to cultivate a culture of honor in our families. And this leads to the second part of my definition of honor. We grant them respect through our words and actions. Communi honor, rather, has to be communicated through our words and actions. I mean, how, how else are we going to communicate? You're just going to think, oh, I respect them, and never express it concretely? It's got to be expressed through your words and actions. 
So how do we actually communicate then? And this is where I'm going to need your help as we get towards the, the third part of my message here. Flat question is this. What are some practical ways that family members can show honor to each other? Now, I want some practical answers here. Uh, so let's put our heads together and brainstorm. And I'm, I'm emphasizing practical. I'm not looking for answers like, we can show honor by loving each other. Well, we know that. That's, that's a good answer. Uh, but that's too broad. So I'm looking for things like, we could show honor by listening and not interrupting when a person speaks. So f- feel free to draw on your own personal experience. Feel free to draw on your own family life if you want, but don't get too particular. We, want, we don't want to know it's you. Uh, or things you, you've heard about in other families, uh, or th- stories from the Bible about how people you know, showed respect to each other in very concrete ways. So uh, start, start responding. Wow, the feed is really going crazy here with answers already. Um, and while you're responding, let me say that one of the things that I've learned to respect the people in my home is to give them space when I know that they really need it. After a long day at the factory or at the office, um, you know, sometimes uh, I'm, I'm retired. Sometimes I like to go and talk. I like to sort of ask questions about how your day uh, is going. But often I'll, I'll see that person is really, really played out. You can see it in the body language, everything. And uh, at that moment, I have a choice. Am I going to just sort of like, uh, you know, go into that space and just try to uh, get my way and have a nice little chat? Or am I going to give them space? I want to have a shower first or, or take a time by themselves. And, and uh, I found that usually when I, do, when, I, when I give them space, the rest of the evening goes a lot better. <laughs> so that's one practical way that I try to respect them. But what are some of your thoughts about this? And I'm just going to go back to the top of the question here where uh, um, we see the, there we go. What is it? Uh, I'm going to go back down. I think I passed the question here. Okay. There we go. Make dinner for them. You say, well, I'm not a good cook. Well, so maybe that's not your thing, right? If you cook for them dinner, they may not end up feeling disrespected because the meal is not going to go down well. <laughs> uh, to show them love, compassion, communication, and togetherness. Ah, another person, <clears throat> make dinner for them. Um, avoiding fights and arguments and considering their points. There, laugh at their dad jokes. I take it, even if they're not funny. Uh, Taking turns letting the other parent sleep in. Oh, that's a good one. We can show honor by helping with tasks that the other person usually does, especially when they have a more challenging time. Uh, Does anybody that loves to do dishes here? No? No hands going up. Cleaning up after the meal... Don't you just hate scouring those pans that have, you know, meat and whatever baked on, and it's going to take like a half an hour with a scouring pad, 
uh, dishwasher can only do so much. You got to. I don't like that. But maybe once in a while, you know, doing that for somebody is a really concrete way of showing them some respect. Helping them find things that are lost. <laughs> now, this is my problem. I'm for every day I lose at least one or two things. When I buy reading glasses from Costco, I buy them in packs of about six because it doesn't. You know, I will break, step on, lose. Uh, whatever, my glasses, and I, so I have to have lots of glasses around, but uh, I'm always looking to my family members to help me find things. Saying sorry and meaning it. Celebrating things that each other values. Cleaning their home when they help, when they need help. Supporting and encouraging their endeavors. More cooking. <laughs> Not fighting me for diaper changes. Wow, wow, okay. Not fighting for diaper changes, that's good. Um, okay, so these are, these are just fantastic thoughts, and there, there's more here uh, that we could share, but you can see them on your, your feed. All great, great ideas. Okay. I think I'm get back to my uh, main feed here, general. Okay, there we go. Well, thank you for your contributions. I think all these ideas will help us create a culture of honor in our families. And there's, I'm sure you have other thoughts. And I hope as you're le you're going home today and this week, you want to be thinking respect. You want to be thinking honor. How can I respect the members of my family? Oh, I, I got to say it. Helping to get the boat off the bottom of the river after it sank. <laughs> after it sank this morning. That's good. Having a very thick skin as your kids are learning to disagree with and to model how to disagree and give consequences for behavior that still holds respect for them as a person. Okay, excellent, excellent. Okay, as I move towards concluding this message... I just want to very briefly talk about what honor does not mean. Because I don't want to give this impression, you know, that giving honor means that you have to respect everything about a person and what they do. Like you're some sort of, like, robot that's just geared to, you know, yes, 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 I respect you, yes, I will do this for you. You know, it, it, it's, not, it's not like that. Showing honor does not mean that we necessarily agree with the other person's view. These views may be diametrically opposed to our own. So to show respect for someone in your, your you don't have to totally agree with your, your spouse. Okay? You can still respect them and, and disagree, diametrically disagree with them on certain issues. Showing honor does not mean that we necessarily appreciate the other person's words or actions. We may, in fact, utterly despise their conduct because it is of how wrong it is and how much it has hurt our family members. So being disrespectful, being respectful doesn't mean you're a yes person and you think everything is right uh, that is done in your family is, oh, that's all right, that's all right. No, it's not. There'd be a lot of things that are really wrong and to show respect doesn't mean that you have to feel that that's right. 
Showing honor does not mean that we never confront a person for their wrong attitudes, words, actions, words, or beliefs. If your son or daughter does something that really upsets you, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your, your living mother, father, father-in-law, mother-in-law, your aunt, your uncle, okay? And, and you know they've crossed the line. It doesn't mean that you just remain silent. That's not love and respect. No, there are times when love speaks. There are times when respect means that you have to uh, you have to respect yourself and you have to, to, to speak to that person and express your displeasure. Let them know how it made you feel. They may not apologize, but you have to speak. Showing honor does not mean that we give the other person the right to avoid the necessary consequences of their behavior. Okay? We just don't, we just don't write everything off. It's just like if somebody has done something for which there should be some consequences, we don't just necessarily dismiss those consequences. Now I know that the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, and we should be willing to to say, ah, oh, don't worry about that, I forgive, don't worry about that, that's fine. If we, if we wanted harsh consequences for every little thing that we all stepped over the line in our lives, to, and we did, we wouldn't last very long in our marriages or in our homes. But there are times when we do things, and there have to be some consequences. There have to be some consequences for our kids when they cross the line. Or uh, if, a, if a spouse is, 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 is unfaithful to us, or... Uh, has done something that we, we, we say, you know, that, has, that was really hurtful. That really uh, has caused a, a rift in our relationship. So maybe the consequence should be that you uh, really acknowledge that and you're willing to go get some counseling. Maybe that's the ramification that comes from that. Not just, oh, well, you know, I forgive you and okay. Sometimes things, th th there needs to be things that, that flow out of that, those actions. For, to help remediate the situation. So these are some ways, these are things that, that honor does, uh, does not mean, okay? And so I think it's important to understand what honor is, and, but what honor is not, okay? I would even go so far as to say that showing honor does not mean that we necessarily have to like a person. <laughs> okay, really? Well... <laughs> We should never hate people, okay? Love your enemies, Jesus said. But liking them at times may not real be, be a real option for us. Love always. Like, maybe not today. <laughs> maybe not this month. Maybe it'll take a few years for me to really begin to have some feelings of affection for that uncle or that cousin or that grandparent or that father, whatever spouse that really hurt me. It's going to take a while for my emotions to catch up. I love them because that is a command of Scripture. I choose to love them, but my feelings may take time to catch up, and they may never catch up. Establishing a culture of honor in our homes is tough work. When we're all behaving ourselves and playing nice, it's not too difficult, right? But when we start acting in ways that hurt each other, then it becomes really tough. And that is exactly when we need God's grace to choose to honor someone. 
You see, like so many things in the Christian life, honor at its heart is a choice that we make, independent of how we feel. Of course, the honor we give to someone who treats us well will naturally look very different from the honor we give to someone who mistreats us. And it will be easier to honor someone who is honorable than it will be to honor somebody who is dishonorable. And that's to be expected, right? We know that. The important thing is that even in the most challenging moments of our family life, we remain committed to not returning evil for evil, but rather seek to obey what the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people. That's everybody in your family, your friends, your work associates, honor them. In, in whatever, whatever honor looks like in that situation, for that group of people, for that person, that's what you do. If you don't know what that means, you say, God, how do I honor this person in my family that's driving me crazy? How, what does honor look like in this situation, for me, for right now? And God will show you. I want to end with a, another quote. This one from a gentleman called Jeremy Riddle, famed American Christian musician and worship leader with Bethel Music. And he said, it's easy to honor someone you don't know. But to honor somebody you do know after seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly in their lives. Oh, gee, he's talking about my family. <laughs> this is the real challenge. Every day in our families, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Honoring each other is indeed the real challenge. But I believe that as God's people, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can indeed rise to the challenge and be people who create a culture of honor in our families. Shall we pray? Father, help us to be people who honor each other in our families. We know, Lord, how difficult this is. We know how our emotions get involved, and we just, it just, they get a rise in us, and we just come out with anger and tons of emotion. And, uh, but Father, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would just give us the grace to show respect, to show honor, to be able to breathe for 10 seconds and, and be reminded that how we treat this person in our life really does matter, even when they may not be treating us the way we want to be treated at that moment. So give us grace, Father. Help us to depend upon you, Holy Spirit, to do what we cannot do in our own strength. And if we need to look beyond ourselves to get help and support from the broader family of God, from counselors, from others who can strengthen us and, and walk with us through these times, help us to do that as well, Lord, so that we might be honorable people showing respect and honor in our families. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you.